Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast, we recap the Hell in the Cell from last Sunday. We give you uh, a pair of good Wednesday night shows, NXT going first and then AEW. We're also going to uh, talk about the state of Raw and SmackDown. I mean, Miz has the money in the bank now. Uh, it's like somebody was listening to me. That and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band from Ringside podcast. Shit, with all these downloads we get... Everybody's listening to you. That, that, that's exactly yeah, right, bro. Listening. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band from Ringside podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. I'm starting with the hand in the mirror. I'm asking him to break kayfabe. And sitting right next to me, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? <laughs> that shit was hot. Bow your heads, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I think I was a little off key. <laughs> Fuck that. Bow your heads as we open up and I read from the latest edition of the Band for Ringside Podcast, volume 179, chapter 3, verse 14. And the good smart saith, hashtag boo the heels. It is all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat. Apparently, it is National Cat Day. If so, shout out to my tag team champion, the Cats, Billy and Lucifer. I love you, little baby. Go, go. baby. Go, go. That's um, my bit, dude. You're doing my bit now? You're doing my Reba bit with your cats? It's my baby, Lugo. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> I say he, he seen me break down in the last couple months. Shit, I can be a little uh, softer. Outside of that, business as usual, I love the AKA. That shit was goddamn funny. Um... Something else I'm thinking I'm forgetting. I can't think of it off the top of my head. I'm sure it'll come back to me. It'll come back to you. Over there in Edwardsville, Illinois, we have two beers. Zach Pullman, what's going on, two beer? How much, man? Just sitting on my porch with a nice cold beer and a feeling of existential dread. A typical Thursday. (laughs) (laughs) Particularly a Thursday right before the election. Uh, We are coming at you from, Jason and I at least, are coming at you from dreary South City, St. Louis. It has been a rainy couple days, boys. Yeah, no shit. It feels like Halloween, though, man. This is awesome. True like, story. Uh, no, true story. I was going to say, I, if, if there's the anything, fall. yeah, I was going to say, I knew you were going to say that. I was driving over here, and I was like, you know, I'm getting ready to pull up, and I'm like, you know, I could see two beer outside on the porch, you know, waiting for me to pull up so we can start this joker, drinking a beer, you know, probably in some shorts or not some nonsense. I'm over here bundled up, you know, with like three shirts on, a sweatshirt. <laughs> I'm like, man, this shit is going to suck for the next four months. Man. Zach I and I are it. from a cold, cold weather people, though. I know. The Germans. Like, the equator ain't nothing cold about that. <laughs> um, so uh, before we get too far into it, uh, Jason, before you get into F&B eatery, mm-hmm. before we get into the wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, I got to tell our audience and Zach that – I think Jason and I were actually yelling at each other Friday night. Were we yelling at each other drunk at the bar? <laughs> well, hang on, hang on. First and foremost, <laughs> well, allow us to just make sure that we put this out there, that the bar has nothing to do with anything, okay? I think this was just a Not normal, a sponsor. Not a sponsor. I think this was just normal what we do, and it, it got a little heated, but I mean, <laughs> we hung it out like usual. What were we no, talking about? We were talking about baseball? What is... Does baseball or basketball deserve the asterisks for the, the champion this year? Yeah. 
and I said that baseball, baseball does, should, basketball, basketball does it. not. And you disagree with that? Totally. Oh, my God. No, I was going to say, I'm within arm's distance of him this time around. Yeah, he's not, he's not sitting somewhere else. Jason, why don't you tell us about F&B Eatery? F&B Eatery on the corner of 3453 Southampton, Southampton and Marquette. Home of the smash burger you've never heard of. Let's go take care of that. Slide on into the BFR pod DMs. I have your gift cards available. Did it myself personally. I should have brought them over, but I forgot about it. And I was going to just to make sure that I'm not the only one. So, you know, I don't think I'm lying about this. So, you know, it's like the physical evidence, you know, when they pull you over, they want you to, you know, pull out the ID, the insurance card. And if you're me, you better make sure that the hands are on the wheel. But that's another story for another time. So I'm telling you, please slide on in. Like I said, if you did the okra bit, you can get your gift card. If you just want a gift card and you're local. Come on into the BFR DMs. We can get you a gift card. So that way you can try the best smash burger you've never heard of. Or if you've had it, you can go get another one. F&B Eater. Can on I the get co- a gift card? No. You're not a look, I got a sweatshirt for you, man. You don't get gift cards. You get sweatshirts. Okay, you if get... somebody wants a BFR sweatshirt, I'll trade you for a no, joke. That's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting ready to say, if you do, make sure it's an extra That's large, okay? That's fucking hilarious. Right? <laughs> F&B, you're on the corner of 3453 Southampton, the Marquette Town that Bam for ringside sent you. Let's get to that three counts. One, two, three. JCB, what's the one count? The crazy part about it is when we were talking about what we we're going to talk about, I totally forgot that this happened on Sunday. And I was like, oh, yeah, this happened. Hell in the cell on Sunday. Um, Some good, some bad. I don't think that there was too much gray area. If either you like matches or you didn't like matches, it was pretty hard or pretty easy to tell. I think what they wanted to invest in, what storylines they were walking forward with, and others that they were not. For me, the biggest takeaway for – Hell in the Cell. Um, wow, I'm I'm gonna go Bailey Sasha. Um, I think Sasha's it's time to start putting some respect on Sasha's name. I know a lot of people are are sour on Sasha for whatever reason. Um, I'll just say this: what I saw on Sunday was what I like to see, what I expect to see from Sasha. She's one of the the four horsewomen one of the name women on the roster and her and Bailey basically pulled out a knockdown bang out performance, arguably one of the best hell in the cell women's matches I've ever seen. And could have been the match of the night, depending on if you like storyline outside of the ring, see yeah, your mileage may vary, but yeah, well, I was going to say there's people that like Jay and Roman. And I totally get it. If you like the storyline, you know what I'm saying? They I definitely, totally get it. They de- totally that was definitely a story it. that they were telling. telling. Okay, and I totally get it. If you like in-ring action, Bailey and Sasha to me was probably the best match of the night. But I don't have a problem with anybody saying Roman or Jay. I totally get that, too. That was probably the second biggest takeaway is how all-in it feels with Roman. Now, they're really starting to lean into the Samoan dynasty, the... The fact that he's the head of the table, all things, all roads finally do lead through Roman, like we were saying back in the Shock City days. So now that to me is, you know, and I said it, and I can't believe I'm getting ready to say this out loud and put this into existence, but I, if it doesn't happen, I'll be stunned. 
if this is not going to end up being Rock versus Reigns at next year's 2021 WrestleMania, whatever number that is, I think it's 37, I will be absolutely stunned. This makes, it, it's literally like they have, they didn't mean to do it, but now that they're on this track, this is the payoff that has to happen, at least in my eyes. And as a huge Rock fan, I don't want to see Roman Reigns beat The Rock, but if we're going to go this route and we're going to take it the whole way, we need to have that match, and Reigns has to go over. So let's let's take this Hell in a Cell match by Hell in a Cell match, okay? Zach, would you rather talk about Sasha Bailey or Jay Roman first? We can just go in um, order of appearance. Okay. Uh, what what were your thoughts like, on Jay Roman? Uh, like a continuation of the story. I liked the general story. Um, the first match got over real huge, and I really liked it. Um, obviously, that's why they did another match was because it it ended up being so good. But like, you did kind of kill the gimmick because the whole thing of the last match, the whole story of the last match was this guy doesn't quit. So then you have an I quit match and I get that. But like, it's just more of like the not quitting. It was just very, very long. The performances were great. Like Roman being a total psychopath and like, or sociopath and like crying in the ring and then just like going full <laughs> on like cold blooded mode. Um, but like, I think the best analogy for this match and also like every other hell in a cell match that was tonight and i know why they did it because they only had five matches on the card and he had to fill up like three hours or whatever but i don't know if you guys have ever um like paid for Pornhub or maybe at the beginning of the pandemic you cashed in logged in on an account because they were actually giving it away for free like no. all those videos you usually watch like every day uh, or maybe not every day but the videos <laughs> um, they're much longer like on the premium version so they're like 30 to 40 minutes but they don't have to be um, you get the meat and potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking for 30 the, or 40 minutes the, of, the of that. The 7 to 20 minutes, you know? like These were all like Seven's pushing for premium. It. It was all like paying for premium porn. <laughs> were the performers great? Absolutely. Did they do their jobs well? Oh, for sure. But I don't. I didn't need so much of it, right? It seemed like they were all just like pretty you, long. You know in the corner they have like the minutes, like how long the video is, right? Are you, are you talking about... <laughs> Roman, Jey Uso in particular, or are you talking about just having three cell matches? No, I think I just think that each of the cell matches suffered from the same issue. Like, they all had really good stories, and I liked all of the matches, and the performance were all really good. But this was like, you know, it opened up, and I was like, man, I was like, this thing's, like, still going. And I was, like, into it. It didn't, like, feel like it dragged, but, like, it definitely took a long time to get, like, this the story across but it uh, certainly did and i would agree with every i would agree with on two of the three matches i didn't think that bailey and sasha was too long i thought bailey and sasha was stupendous yeah. uh it it exceeded my expectations i think it exceeded uh the last cell match that sasha was in which was verse which was verse charlotte flair which was also a really good match great uh i think that was the same night that new day fought the usos which was also a great match i thought that this pay-per-view which i i brother-in-law steve and i were checking in throughout the night but we were also watching football and stuff uh, i went back and watched the whole thing today i thought it was very had some very satisfying endings and 
I thought that the Roman Jay Uso story of him saying, if I beat you, if you say I quit, you basically have to be my reluctant warriors because that's what our heritage is about. I think that that's a really interesting story, and it's going to be interesting. I agree with Jason when they bring The Rock into it, which seems that's the way. That, if, if they don't, I mean, that's a big cash in Rock versus Roman Reigns. If they bring The Rock into it, that's a perfect story to tell. Just an absolute perfect story to tell for I The Rock. Vince should spend that XFL money on some goddamn virus like relief. And see, see. Rock's, the Rock's not coming to WrestleMania with no fans. Well, that's that true. Happened. That's true. That is definitely true. Um, and, you know, WrestleMania is still five months away. And, you know, if everybody flattens the curve here for the next couple weeks, I think that we'll be able to have some fans at WrestleMania five months away. Um, that's a joke. Right. But <laughs> um, I thought the story that they told was incredible. Roman's acting was incredible. Roman was legitimately crying. You think yeah, so? Oh yeah, that, that was that I wasn't. Tell if that was crocodile tears or not. No, I mean I don't think that I don't know if it was real or kayfabe, but no. there were tears coming out of his eyes. Okay, I couldn't tell because I was going to say between the sweat and lights, it looked like maybe, maybe not. I couldn't personally tell. This has been the best thing going in WWE. Roman as a full-fledged heel is what, I mean, seriously, like, let's not give him too much credit. This is what we've been calling for since the since the fucking well, okay, podcast but, started. Yeah, but I mean, that doesn't mean that they execute it right or well. Better choice of your They're word. executing it well, well here. Okay, that's what I'm saying. We call for a lot of things, but it doesn't mean that they do it the way that we think we should or we think we want them to do it or the way they should do it. This has been done really well, even if it was 45 minutes. And I didn't even know it was 45 minutes until. No, uh, it wasn't, was it? Uh, Michael said it was 45 minutes close to. I don't know. Don't care. I think no it might have been 45 minutes from the start, start the show, to the finish. I think, I think it went like 30. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Maybe from 7 to 7.45. That's really long. Okay, but even still. I didn't recognize it was 45 minutes until somebody else said, oh, yeah, this match was so long. It was, you know, X amount of minutes. I was like, oh, really? Well, shit. You know, I, I must not have realized. That's how good, that once again, they told this story to the point where I needed to see Roman go up to the, the, the top of the ramp where the Wild Samoans are here. Here's your leg. This is basically, you know, photo op. Paul on the, off on the side the way he should be. They did it. I don't. I hate to use the word perfect, but it was. If it wasn't perfect, it was real close to it. I mean, if you're, if you, if the outcome of the match is not in question, and it shouldn't at be. all, and, and it shouldn't and, be, and it wasn't, but if the outcome of the match is not in question, there's a few things you have to do. You have to tell a good story, and you have to give the people something that they weren't expecting to see. And also, what I'll give them kudos for is. In the Thunderdome, without having live fans there, they have really taken advantage of being able to use words to be verbal in these matches and have the referee have the when Roman grabbed the referee by the back of the neck, he's like, Don't ask him. Don't ask him. No, don't call the match. I mean, that was really good. And also the thing that you want to see is the guy who is obviously going to lose in Jey Uso be elevated by the feud. And there's no doubt that Jey Uso has been elevated by this feud. Uh, do you agree, Zach? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's been fantastic 
and you know i'll give credit where credit's due like i'm not a wwe hater i want it to be good i want it all to be like this what in the like, fuck whoa 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 did he just say he's not a wwe hater hey what's your favorite shot what what was the shots we were doing in uh edwardsville uh, we were drinking, what are you talking about, fireballs? Okay, just making sure you ain't no spy. Let's <laughs> <laughs> say you might be one of them. So uh, it was it was very, very good. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they go. I guess they're going to be able to take a breather. It's going to be Orton versus Reigns at Survivor Series. I think they've announced it, right? They announced it, but then when Drew comes out on – at the end of Raw, and they get into the usual uh, scrum before the end. The end, and apparently Drew poked Randy Orton in the eye with a pen, and we missed it. Anyway, that's just ugh. don't be surprised you see Drew McIntyre. I guess that's that's where I'm going with this in that match versus both of them. I don't get it either, but it, I, I mean, I'd be cool with that. No, uh, no, no, no. There's there's no need. Okay, back me up on this one, Two Beer. Is there really a need for Drew McIntyre to be in a champion versus champion match? You Can you not wait until whatever the December pay-per-view is and do the rematch for Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre? Yeah, I mean, I feel like if they're going to – I feel like they should, like, stick to a formula. And it's a real big bummer, and you know, we'll talk about this, like, in the weeks to come, but it seems that this COVID stuff is keeping NXT – off of Survivor Series, either that or like Vince is just done with the brand because last year's Survivor Series was actually interesting yes. because of NXT's involvement, and now there's not a single mention uh, of that being a thing. There's actually would definitely add. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I just said that would definitely add some life into you know this pay per view and make it more than just that stupid gimmick where they keep telling us it's the one time a year where Raw and SmackDown meet, even though we literally just had a draft, and so we're essentially just seeing the same matches that we've seen over the past yeah. like, you know, nine months. I don't know why they keep beating that dead horse, except that, except to say that Vince probably thinks that it's true. Um, they've had – the last few Survivor Series have been interesting. The one with NXT was super interesting, but they had the one where Orton and Wyatt were the last two finalists in that great match. They had one where – Triple H, we watched it at John Jones's house. You remember that one? Yeah, vaguely. Um, feels like two years ago, give or take. We were fucked up. Yeah, buddy. Um, I'll just say this. for Just on the NXT part, we should have had that inkling that something was going left at the draft when NXT a year ago was a part of the draft, and now a year later they're not. Same thing now with... I don't even remember that. They were part of the draft? They were a part of the draft. They, and now, a year later, they're not. And that was kind of a, a talking point going into the draft. So now, the same thing is happening with Survivor Series. Who wouldn't want to see Asuka versus Sasha versus Io Shirai in a triple threat match? That shit just makes me giggle just thinking about it. And now... A year ago, we had that, and now a year later, we're not doing that. It's, so I, I agree with Two Beer on this one. There's something behind what's happening at NXT, whether it's COVID outbreak or just a, a couple people have it. There's a reason why they're keeping NXT away from Raw and SmackDown. Whatever that reason is, your guess is as good as mine. All right, let's move on to Sasha Bailey. What were your thoughts on that, Zach? Uh, I mean, this was a really good match. The only thing I didn't like was 
there are so many chairs, but they're so focused on one chair. And that was the only thing that took away from like the story of this match. Cause I know that like the chair is symbolic, right? Because of the, the breakup, but like, it's not like that chair is incredibly special in comparison to the myriad of other chairs in the cage. So if they were going to do that, then maybe just don't have any ch- other chairs inside while she's trying to get to this other chair, right? That just seemed like a little overcomplicated for me. And it, but that's like a little nitpicky, but it was definitely, I mean, these, these ladies are great at what they do and they are obviously at their best when they're facing each other and, um, you know, best match on the show. I'll go like this and I get the chair part, but I, I still think because the chair ends up coming full circle at the end of the match where Sasha has, um, Bailey in the uh, the bank statement or whatever, and she's using said chair to kind of stomp her ass out. You know, that to me makes it worth it. Do I get what you're saying? Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. I mean, it was, you know, cool to see that chair get kicked out of the ring um, right when the Hell in the Cell started and then, you know, come back into play at the end. But it, they end up using it. So it wasn't like it was a, a dummy prop. Like when um, Bailey was trying to put Kendall sticks together, I guess, to – uh, hang Sasha with or whatever. The shit didn't work, obviously, because it ends up breaking apart. That to me is like a useless prop. The the table ends up being a useless prop. It's a, it didn't break, but they end up setting it up. Sasha did the meteor into it, and that. Uh, but it never really broke after that. It's a cool to, spot, though. No, it was a, it's a great spot, and that and and I'm not knocking it. It's just the chair is the symbol of betrayal you know, whatever you want to call it. And at that point, for have it to have it be used at the end of the match to finally get the one title that Sasha never had, I have no problem with it. I yeah, I love this match. You know when we were talking last week, and this is gonna sound like this is gonna sound like quite the uh comparison. But when we were talking last week about Sonata versus Evil, and if there was, and if the announcers weren't telling you that those guys had been fighting forever and that they hated each other and that was a real blood feud, that there would have been no way to tell. I think that Bailey and Sasha did the exact opposite. I thought that their their body language, uh, the moves that they put on each other, Sasha kind of feeling as the babyface, kind of feeling bad towards the end about putting Bailey through what she was putting her through, even though Bailey was yelling about her stupid broken neck and shit like that. (laughs) I loved this match. It exceeded expectations. I mean, to me, that's, that's pro wrestling. That was uh, very dramatic. Uh, It was innovative. How many hell in the cell matches have we seen? And we saw a couple spots in this one that we've never Never seen seen before. before. Yeah. It was really good, and if I I know we're not giving these stars. I mean, to me, that's a four point seven five star match. It was really, really fucking good, and I had somebody laugh at me because I dare suggested that this should have been the main event at uh, on Sunday just because of the story leading up to this match, and now what I would thought would be the the payoff for this match, it would be, it's hell in a cell. It's going to be brutal. At that point, I expected the good payoff, and it was just absolutely amazing. Yeah, I think that the only reason that it wasn't the main event was because it would have given the ending away. You're not going to end hell in a cell with 
uh, Bailey standing tall. He might end up with Randy Orton standing tall. Uh, any other thoughts on Sasha Bailey? Two beer? No, not really. <laughs> I like Good it. Good pod. I like the succinctness. Uh, we're getting sh- we're getting shots opened over here. Um, oh, hey, cheers, cheers, buddy. Uh, I'm glad I was right on Friday night. Go Steelers. Ah. <laughs> Now that's good pod. Right. All right. Uh, so the last Hell in a Cell match was Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre. For the record, Zach, we wish you were here. We have shots for you. We're just going to have to do your shots. Um, Shame. I know. Uh, <laughs> Sounds so mad. Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre was the, I guess, the least of the three for me. But I did like how all three Hell in a Cell matches kind of had their own identity and stood out from each other. Uh, Zach, what were your thoughts on McIntyre Orton? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely had a different vibe than the other two. This is not like uh, the one is familial. The other one is nearly familial, um, but it's just like that long-term partner, best friend rivalry that kind of gives you your best rivalries. And then this is like Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton just being really good professional wrestlers. Um, and I mean, this is why Vince puts Randy with every new champion, like every new champion gets a goddamn three, four, five month Randy Orton feud. And they're usually pretty good. You know, um, this one has been exceptionally good and it's kudos to both those guys. Uh, my favorite part was Drew taking the Shawn Michaels bump from the, uh, 1997, Keel Center, St. Louis. Oh, uh, dude, why do you Center. bring that up? Come on, man. Come on. Yeah. You know how I feel I know, about I that. Miss, tell the not there. I miss the I miss the show. Tell um, tell tell the listeners what you mean. Uh, it's the one where uh, Sean's hanging off the cage and uh, Drew also, but they're hanging off like the middle of the cage and then they fall through the announcers table. So I guess Drew Galloway, the man, was a very big fan of. Shawn Michaels is every professional wrestler um, is uh, and really just like wanted to recreate that spot because it meant a lot to him like growing up like it was like a really cool spot so uh, yeah that was dope should have been there Jason thoughts on the match um, I'm guessing you were there in 1997 no that's my biggest wrestling regret as of this point was long story short my father offered me tickets him and his girlfriend were gonna go I was like, eh, you know, not really into WWE at this time. You know, Kane, well, I didn't, shouldn't say Kane, but Taker versus HBK kind of been there, done that. I don't know what this Hell in a Cell thing is. I'll pass. You're a nerd. <laughs> Stupid. Just the one of the greatest matches in WWE history and I stayed home to smoke weed, you idiot. Um, the, I, I agree with Bill on this one. The match itself was was the least favorite of my three, but it did have its own individual moments where you have the uh, the Shawn Michaels callback or whatever going up to the top of this, uh, the cell, Randy attacking before the match started. But to be honest, it just felt like, I mean, what more can you really milk out of this especially when you start with you know a, a kind of a, a last man not the last man standing i'm sorry but um 
what about missing one, two, three? We've had three matches. He's won these first two, and then here's the third. It just feels off that now this is the win. It, it almost feels like the middle match, whatever it was, um, Orton should have won it then, have the rematch now, and have it out of the way so that way you can kind of move towards Orton versus Roman. It almost feels like they're getting ready to, to introduce Drew into this match, but that's another story for another time. I just really feel like it's kind of this feud is kind of going towards the end, but I don't know if they know how to end it just yet. Drew has to get his rematch. We know this. Contractually. Contractually, he'll get his rematch. Don't make the quote marks. Don't make air quotes. Contractually. We we went... uh... Away from that for like three weeks last year, I remember. But yeah, that right. That's what I'm saying. You, we haven't. And so I would like to assume that we're going to kind of honor that, but we're no. I know we're really not going to. He's going to get his rematch. I would rather him get his rematch in December versus in November. Like I said, the match was it was okay. It wasn't in comparison to the other two matches. It had less action than Roman and Jay. But Roman and Jay was still a better match. If you had to compare one versus the other, I'd rather watch the Roman Jay match at 45 minutes versus Edge, or Edge, uh, Orton versus um, Drew at like 30 minutes. Well, you're looking at, I mean, three guys that could be considered methodical when you talk about McIntyre, Orton. I mean, Orton takes methodical to a new level. And and Reigns. I mean, Jay Uso's a pretty dynamic performer. Sasha and Bailey are not like those guys at all, obviously. But it, it was slow. I mean, it started off slow. That, that's why I don't really like it as the main event. I would have rather had the Roman thing as the main event. Just because, listen, does anybody go back and rewatch Orton matches? Is there a single Orton match? Now listen, the guy's been in the the guy's been in the WWE forever. You watch as much WWE as anybody I've ever met. Is there any Randy Orton match that stands out in your mind for being good? A single one, like maybe I, I, there's him, there are ones that John Cena had a, a, a good few going. You can go there. Um, it, 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 but see, this is why that. I would say it like this. I'm an, I'm an Orton apologist just in the sense that I think he makes things look too easy, and that goes against him in the long run. Certainly. He's a natural. Okay. No doubt. And, he, and he's got the, you know, he knows his character. He does the slither thing when he's, when he... When of he's course, invested, he's, he's such invested. a yes. Of course, he's such a fucking professional, and we've been saying we've probably said three times on this podcast in three different feuds, Orton's doing the work of his career. I don't know if that says how good he's doing now or how little we think of the rest of his career, though. And I, I, I like Orton too. Uh, you know, he's a he's a great he's a great wrestler. Nobody's putting Orton on their Mount Rushmore. No. Nobody goes back and rewatches Orton matches. Not a single one. Now, if it's like Hell in a Cell and he has a great Hell in a Cell match, then yeah. Go Can ahead, you name one? jump in. Ooh. Can you name a good... Uh, Please, I would just say Orton's probably the greatest enhancement wrestler that's ever lived. Ooh. ooh. He's got is, 15 is titles. That, 14. Hang on. 14 titles. Say, is, 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 that a, is that the definition of a backhanded compliment? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a definition of a front-handed insult. 
<laughs> Bless him. No, that's well, an insult. Just, you know, he's just, uh, and it's the same reason Vince puts like Ziggler with these guys. Like he makes everybody look better than they would with other people. Like he just makes guys look really good, and he's capable of being a top guy. Like obviously, um, he's been acting like a top guy like since this pandemic. He, Roman was gone. Like Randy was the most interesting storyline of you know the pandemic era of uh, WWE like main roster. Uh, Bailey and Sasha were the most entertaining like on screen personalities, but as far as like interesting stories, it, it's been Randy and then their their good booking of Drew. And so, I mean, like, he's definitely, like, a top guy, but the reason I say that is, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, Bret Hart, like, for instance. Like, Bret Hart was capable of making anybody look phenomenal. Like, there's a reason, like, we had, like, six months of Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal, for fuck's sake. You know what I mean? Like, he just could make anybody look decent. Okay, so, see, you, you, you stole my thunder. Here's my question. Did Randy Orton look good in, coming out of that, or did Jinder Mahal look good coming out of that uh i mean i my, my biggest takeaway was like randy killing the Singh brothers like every week like that's all i remember <laughs> yeah he really i remember the punjabi prison match okay that's what i'm saying where you couldn't see what was going on inside the ring okay because that, of all the fucking bamboo or whatever the fuck it's called i think that's kind of my no point. offense to my indian brothers out there right that's gonna say please don't make it say <laughs> it's not bamboo i don't i forget what it's called I'm not even going to try it. Don't. I guess my point is when you have Jinder Mahal as your, I guess, your clay, I guess, to mold or whatever, and all we kind of remember is him bouncing the Singh brothers off of tables, whatever the case may be, it's kind of hard to say that Orton is enhancement. I think he's past enhancement. I mean, okay, and uh, remember matches. Um the time that he drove um, Mick Foley through the no, no, we're not we're not doing this. Like I asked you if there were any Randy there Orton you matches you that go. you. I know there it, you it took you fucking seven minutes to come up with well, one. Damn it! I no, just took we're a not shot. doing this. It's bad pod. It's bad pod. All I'm saying is no. The, yes, answer, the answer was is no. Yes, the answer is yes. It just took. And you, a you had bit. to go back to Mick Foley. Damn right. You got to no. start somewhere. Listen, uh, Zach, are, are you cool with Orton uh, having the belt now? Yeah, I mean, uh, I do not think that Drew is done uh, by any means. I don't either. If, if, no. it, if it came across as like. You know, I was not okay with Brock taking it from Kofi in the manner in which he did. Like, this was not that. Like, this was a grueling 30-minute battle in a damn cage. Yeah, you know, I, like, I don't think that McIntyre lost anything. No. Yeah, like, he did not lose any momentum at all. And if they anything, done, he was protected like, again. Yeah, they've done a great job booking him. Like, I mean, pandemic era, WWE, I mean, this is hard to be the champion, and he has managed like really well and I think he's like matured a lot and he's grown as a baby and, face like, too. It's hard it's, it's, like, it's harder it's hard to, be to be a baby, baby face. face in WWE in twenty twenty. It's hard. Really because, hard. Because they always book him so dumb. Yeah. That's gonna say, come on now. I was about to say isn't this the same fucking trick you fell for the last four times? You don't see this one coming? So you know what my favorite when and I'm not doing this just for the smooth segue that I'm about to introduce. Mm-mm. But one of my favorite Orton moments is when, in 2010, when Miz came out to cash in on Orton at the end of a Raw. 
and he did the skull crushing finale on him, and the crowd was going nuts. And Orton great cash in. At great Orton, cash in. Orton kicked out at like two point nine 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 seconds. He kicked out so late, and the place went nuts. And then him and Miz, after he had just gotten his ass kicked by somebody, I can't remember who it was. Him and Miz went on to have like this four or five minute match that was about as intriguing of a match as you could see because everybody was waiting for Miz to fuck up on the money in the bank. And Orton was a babyface at the time. So, like I said, that's a smooth segue into something we really haven't talked about, um, but we've talked about on the podcast is that Miz, I think yeah. I asked one of you, I think I asked you guys last week, is Otis winning the money in the bank the worst booking decision that WWE has ever made? And they... They were listening because the day after the podcast, the day after the podcast came out, uh, they set up Otis versus Miz for, I wish we would have been able to predict this because it would have been fun. Right. Speaking of, you guys did great. I did terrible. We'll get, we'll you know, get back to it later. We, we only, we only did four matches, but, um, no, I'm, Miz I'm, now has the money in the bank. What do you think, Jay? No, I'm, I'm willing to at least lean towards your way that this is one of the worst booking decisions ever because immediately where Miz comes out on Monday and is teasing who I'm going to cash in on. I just did it to Randy Orton 10 years ago. You know, it's just different. Otis would have made sense if the world stayed the same. You can have him lose to Roman at any given point. No big deal. You could have had him lose to Drew McIntyre. No big deal. If it was me and the world was right and I had the pen, losing in a tag team, losing to Sami Zayn or whatever, ultimately I think they did this for shock value. It didn't work. And now, especially when you don't have fans, it's really not not, not going to work. So you give it to Miz. Give it to somebody that's been there, done that. Like I said on Twitter, if he loses tomorrow, it's not a big deal. If Otis loses tomorrow, it's kind of a bigger deal because Otis has an uphill climb to do it. See uh, Damian Sandow. See um, okay that. That's the exact opposite way that I was going to go with it. Okay. Uh, Zach, what do you think? Uh, my biggest problem is not that Otis doesn't have it anymore. Um, it is that if you are like doing almost like a tag team versus tag team rivalry, you got Miz and Morrison versus Tucker and uh, Otis heavy machinery, like, and you have the choice of doing a match between Otis and either Miz or John Morrison. Why is John Morrison not in the ring and Miz on the sideline doing the talking and the hyping up? Because obviously one of those guys is 50 times better than the other at being a top guy because we've seen him Morrison in top guy positions all over the world. And he's also way better in the ring. And he can talk on his own without even like having Miz. And it elevates John Morrison, who's done fuck all this entire time in WWE so far, except, you know, dick around with, with his buddy the Miz. Like, Morrison's a top guy, right? Like, He's top guy material. Vince doesn't see him that way. Vince just slotted him right back into where he was before he left. <laughs> well, also, but, Miz has those shows on USA. Yeah. It's just like, it's just bonkers to me. Like, I, I feel like, you know, you, you give it to Otis, you know, you're trying to elevate somebody. Like, that's the money in the bank does. Which it should uh, Miz, be. Which it should yeah, be. Miz but doesn't go ahead. Need help. 
Morrison needs the help, and they're on, like, the same team. Like, why not just have Morrison do it? It just goes to show, like, Vince has no faith in John Morrison You know what? I'll, I'll admit, it never even occurred to me that Morrison should have it instead of Miz. Never even occurred to me. All that occurred to me was that Otis didn't have it anymore, and all of a sudden, Miz opens up Raw – Coming out, talking to Drew McIntyre, holding the money in the case briefcase, it and I'm like, "It feels different." Of course, now it's in play. Right? It's never been in play. It's, For a it's hot been, minute. It's been a comedy thing since Money in the Bank with Otis and Mandy Rose, and before that, it was fucking Brock Lesnar. It's been so long since we had somebody who's actually a menace with it. And that's what kind of my point with. That's my big takeaway. I I get Zach's point about. Why wouldn't you put it on Morrison? That would be fun. Right. It's always... It just never even occurred to me. No, it's always, to me, money in the bank should be a two-part thing. A, it should be somebody that's in the mid-card that, in theory, should not have been a champion at this point. So now, if you want to pull the trigger, you can pull the trigger and make them a first CM Punk in 05. Okay. Edge in 04 or whatever. But the second thing Baron is, Corbin in 18. Wait. Oh, mm. you ain't shit. But the <laughs> second part about it is, is that where you have this opportunity to elevate. If you don't want to do it, then that's fine. But don't e- don't put it on Otis. Make sure that it's a scenario where Alistair Black was the. I'm pretty sure the guy who said that should have won it at the time. Where's Alistair Black? I right think now? you and I both picked him. Yes. Okay. Um, if you would have went with Alistair Black at that point, now you could. Yeah, I was gonna say you got the damn. Uh, let me see if let me see if it's in this notepad. <laughs> it's just different. If you, that's what to me, Money in the Bank is. It's to give the guy that doesn't have a chance to be in a main event spot the chance to get in the main event spot, and God it's, forbid, it's basically what the Intercontinental Belt used to used to, to be. Yeah. It was the the bridge to the championship. This is a even faster bridge, dare I say, the express lanes of the championship. The Miz cash in was great. Obviously, Seth Rollins is the one is the greatest cash in of all time. So it's there to be had. Otis wasn't that greatest guy. greatest WrestleMania moment of all time. No, I'm not going to do this. <laughs> Otis was good at the time, but it it could have been better with people there. It's not there. This but no, is it wasn't it good at the time. It no, wasn't good at the time. It was good just because it, in the sense that. No, it wasn't. It was a surprise. And, okay, this is you guys with the palate cleanser. You know, comedy and wrestling is good. That's your palate cleanser. That was the palate cleanser. Okay. I didn't want Otis to be the champ or the uh, be money in the bank winner yeah he, he did. just whatever he just so happened that the shit literally fell into his lap and that's what miz was saying in the courtroom okay the bottom line is, is that yeah law and otis hashtag law and otis Never i mind. don't watch smackdown dude. yeah clearly you don't <laughs> i'm calling the hashtag here's the the palate cleanser and that's what it is i don't like it but here it is Let's just get it out of the way. So now Otis costs up the Money in the Bank briefcase. You give it to Miz. And then, like we said, immediately on Monday, the bank or oh, the briefcase is back in play. I don't think he's going to cash it. And it's intriguing. Yeah, I don't think he's going to cash it in on Monday. But now it's back in play in the way it should be on a weekly basis. It's fun just to have the Money in the Bank briefcase around and have some heel 
tease everybody with Just it all the case. time. Oh, you going 20 minutes? Oh, I can cash it in. Uh, Zach, any last thoughts on Hell in Cell 2020? Uh, no. <laughs> this motherfucker. It's a podcast, man. It's thank a, you for throwing thank you for throwing it to me. Uh, but uh, I grow weary. It's an audible medium. Let's get to that two count. One, two, three. <laughs> two beer. What's the two count? Mostly, I just wanted to get to this because uh, this was like my favorite thing this week. Um, NXT Halloween Havoc. Uh, at first. Whenever I saw that they were doing this, you know, like, I'm a big Halloween fan. I always loved Halloween Havoc, brought to you normally by Snickers whenever I was growing right, up. Right, uh, right, It's, you know, 1997 Halloween Havoc, we had, like, Ray versus Eddie. It's, like, one of the best, like, wrestling matches, like, ever. Um, it was just always, like, a really fun show. And, um, you know, I was like, oh, here goes WWE cashing in on, you know, they did the Great American Bash, all these mm-hmm. WCW things. and Yep. I just didn't have like super high hopes for it, but I think they nailed it. Like this show had a really excellent, unique feel. It was different than a normal NXT weekly show. Uh, they did a lot of cool stuff with, um, you know, dressing up the performance center, the ring ropes being orange, turnbuckles being black. Um, they had buildups to the matches, even if they were rematches like from the previous pay-per-view, at least like it's an ongoing like storyline. It wasn't just like something that was thrown together. Um, this was just good. And Shotzi Blackheart was being the best Shotzi Blackheart she could be. Uh, like even though she wasn't on there, like a whole bunch, like the parts that she was on there were like pretty awesome. We had Poppy. We had, I don't know who that dude was like ripping the guitar, but like he was kick-ass. Oh, the, uh, like, the opening match or whatever for uh, Damian yeah, Priest. Playing yeah, playing Damian. Damian Priest like music, but um, yeah, I mean, really fun show. Opened up with Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano. Um, this has been really fun. We've talked about it over the past like few weeks. Uh, even being like a Johnny Gargano mark, uh, I, this was weird to me that he took the belt. Like he had help, obviously, you know, heal stuff. Uh, that person in the scream mask was supposed to be like Indy Hartwell, but she's out because of a COVID scare at the Performance Center. So they just had to, like, do somebody in a costume. Uh, apparently, this is what, uh, you know, reading the dirt sheets. I kind of thought uh, it was supposed to be Austin Theory because he quit the week before or something. That was my guess, but go ahead. Oh, it could have been. It looked like a guy. Um, but maybe Indy Hartwell was supposed to be the one, like, later on. But uh, but anyway, like, uh, it was a Devil's Playground, essentially just a Falls Count Anywhere match. And, you know, there was some heel Fuckery. Fuckery. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Johnny went over, which, like I said, super surprising. Uh, not the way I would have booked it. You know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt, see where they're going with it. Johnny Gargano just doesn't need a belt. Johnny Gargano is NXT Mount Rushmore, NXT royalty. Like, I wouldn't say you can be like, treat him like Ziggler. Like, you can't like beat him like a drum, but you can have him beating people like every couple weeks. Like, you know, younger guys and then they get a big win over him and take over and he's still Johnny takeover, right? Nothing's going to take that away. Like you got to really kick his dick in the dirt to like give him to, to wipe off any kind of shine that Johnny has. I just don't think he needs the belt. And Damian priest has been so excellent with this title and it has really elevated him and like brought him the confidence that I feel like he needed to actually start getting over and he was really over with me. So that, that just surprised me. I totally agree. I thought 
there was no way they were going to take it off of Priest just because he's been so good in this babyface role that I really didn't expect him to be good in. And uh, it was it was a surprise to me, and it was the start of a a surprise show of NXT. Oh yeah, I'll just say this, um, and I've been kind of critical about Damian Priest as an NXT guy. I really wasn't viewing him as Damian Priest versus uh, Punishment Martinez. This was really the first time where I felt like the the build, the investment into Damian Priest was finally starting to pay off. You know, he had the, the cool entrance. He's won, you know, a bunch of matches, defended the title, you know, a handful of times. And now here's Johnny Gargano in a spot again where you can really kind of put him over and make him a solidified, bona fide, like, top star or whatever. You know, granted, this is a mid-card title, but at some point he's going to lose and then, you know, go after the uh, NXT title. It was just, it was, I agree with you guys. It was weird just for the fact that I expected this to be a, the title defense, and then when it wasn't, it was just kind of like, oh, oh, what? You know, th- this is how it's happening. So, I mean, Gargano, I agree. Gargano doesn't need it. I mean, he's been, kind of been there, done that. I'm not saying he needs to be like Ziggler where he's a turnstile, but on the same aspect, you kind of need to have him put guys over and establish a new roster of NXT going forward. I would assume Damian Priest is going to be here for the foreseeable calendar year and then some. A good time to do it to cement him as one of those guys. They didn't. I mean, the match was good. The match was good. It's just, like I said, the ending was weird just because I expected one thing and they gave me the other. I mean, if that's if that's that, you're, if that is that, if that is your kind of match, then yeah, the match was good. I, I don't like the out of the ring stuff all that much, but that's just me. Okay, I, I'm on, I'm on unless, the record. Unless you're, unless you're Minoru Suzuki or John Moxley, I'm usually the same way. Okay, but, but I, I mean, thought they did a good job. But this is, okay, coming into this, it was kind of like Hell in a Cell. It's a gimmick kind of pay-per-view. So as much as I don't want to see, um, and I don't want to start giving stuff away, Cameron Grimes versus Dexter Loomis was good visually, <laughs> but it's not the match I want to see. So I get that, okay? At the end of the day. Cameron Grimes seeing that zombie referee. And asking them if it's pinfall or submission made me laugh so fucking hard, man. <laughs> Cameron Grimes was all in on that match, and that Dude, to me, he, what... he actually, and I, I mean, a perfect segue. He made that match uh, enjoyable. <laughs> what could have been a total flop, and it could have flopped so hard. And I'll, I'll give props to him for doing something creative, and you know, gimmicky you know it's a gimmick it's a gimmick show right i get the halloween show yeah and it was a cinematic match that are getting more popular no but it should have been okay let's i get it walking into it this is not going to be in the ring granted it finished in the ring but we can start outside go ahead tubier i'm sorry best best thing i've seen dexter loomis in by far um but like you said cameron grimes is so all in with this match and he's so good with his character i don't know if any of you guys have ever played like Red Dead Redemption Two, but this guy, Cameron Grimes, just seems like an extra on Red Dead Redemption Two, which is just like in like the pioneer, like Wild West, 
And like, there's a time whenever like he's like wandering through the thing and he's being such a chicken shit heel, but he's just trying to put on this bravado. And he's like, Loomis, you're in here with camera grass. <laughs> <laughs> it really, oh, he really was out. funny. Camera grass is one of my favorites, even before he got to uh, when he was in Impact. I liked him in Impact, and I think he's just Trevor got, Lee. yeah, I think he's just got better over time. He couldn't be Trevor Lee because uh, we would have gotten him mixed up with Keith Lee because they're very similar. Shit. And Brody Lee. That's what I was saying. Don't, and, yeah. <laughs> Don't even get me started. Go ahead. I'm telling you. And Zia Lee. I was, I, was, I was flipping in between because it was the 8 o'clock thing. And uh, AEW. How do you guys do that? AEW was on commercial. I go back and watch the stuff that I didn't see. But while I'm watching it, I flip back and forth. I can't. Oh, I can't. I'm, not, uh, I'm always on like some pirated stream, so I don't have that option. I just watch like straight through. I was also reading Moby Dick, which I think a lot of us were doing while we were, you know, watching, flipping not in so between AEW and NXT. But I uh, always say that Halloween Havoc pairs so well with Herman Melville. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever read it, Zach? Uh, no. I've what? Been, I've been dying to read it for a long time, and uh, it's Cor- it it's Cormac it's McCarthy's favorite book. So. How's the English major not reading Moby Dick? Anyway, I'm telling you, I was flipping back and forth, and on the other one, we're going to get to it, but it was Cody versus Orange Cassidy while the Dexter Loomis, Cameron Grimes thing, but it hadn't started. And I'm telling you, when Cameron Grimes asked that zombie referee if it was <laughs> pinfall or submission, I fucking died laughing. It was the funniest thing. It's the funniest thing he could have said in that moment to that zombie referee. <laughs> there could have been nothing funnier. That is the line. God damn, that made me laugh. Uh, okay. All right. What what else happened? Uh, oh, so I, yeah. We had I a... did watch this one on Hulu. So, like, it did cut. It cuts out a little bit of stuff. And, unfortunately, Sanchez Escobar defeating Jake Atlas was a casualty. So, I cannot comment on it because it was on the Hulu version. It was also so, three uh, minutes. I mean, it wasn't much. Oh, okay. Cool. And then we had Rhea Ripley defeat Raquel Gonzalez in a banger of a match. This was really good. Raquel Gonzalez looks so good. We all know Rhea Ripley. Like, we don't have to, like, expound on uh, our love for Rhea Ripley or our desire for her to be the superstar that she deserves to be because she has such star presence and she's such a great character. But this was really elevated Raquel Gonzalez. And I feel like this thing's been going on for a while. Like, they've been really kind of taking their time with this feud, and it really came to a head. And these ladies are both very powerful, and they beat the shit out of each other for, like, 15 minutes. And it was dope. What do you think, Jason? Arguably the best match that uh, Rhea Ripley's had this year. Um, I agree with Two Beard. This was as physical as it gets. I've been kind of wanting Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai to kind of be the tag team champions. It's, you know, don't get me wrong. Nia Jax and Shayna are funny, but I think if we want to elevate and make new stars, we are. I don't want Shayna to be funny. I don't want Shayna to be funny either, but, you know, it's. I don't want Nia Jax to be there at all. (laughs) So, like I said, I think a couple of NXT ladies being tag team champions, you could bounce them around. From brand I think to Shana brand, and Dakota actually date. Interesting. Just put, just put that. No, in I, just, I, I just. I saw somebody. Uh, I saw somebody giving uh, Shayna shit online. Like said something about like 
for being like too manly and she's like whatever dude she's like i'll just keep pulling hotter ass than you ever will and i was like oh my Uh-oh. god just nailed him See, man i was just I, I was watching you know we had this this app that we record the podcast on and it shows the sound waves from when we're talking and zach goes i think Shayna baszler and dakota kai date and there was just a full four inches of nothing. <laughs> it was like we flatlined. And somebody gave us the jaws Everybody of life. Just about it. Like, I'm like, yeah. You don't say. <laughs> okay. Hey, whatever floats your boat, Shana. Do you think? Probably could pull more Whatever back. floats your boat, Shana. Okay. Hey, All right, man. Shit. Hey. Get in where you fit in. Probably pulling better ass than I pulled in. If you want to pull it, you know. Doing a lineup card, Shayna Baszler versus Jason He's Bell. Up. I can give it to Shayna Baszler. It's easier from the women's perspective. Holy they trust you shit. The whole shebang. Okay. That I love podcasts. <laughs> that being said, I kind of liked uh, the fact that you could have uh, Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai as a tag team because I think that's what it's all about. It's about elevating the talent on NXT and the fact that you, especially when. NXT is starting to kind of getting pushed away from Raw and SmackDown. It's about getting new talent in, and especially when you've had, and this is no disrespect to Johnny Gargano and Ciampa and Adam Cole, Undisputed Era as a whole, at some point you got to flip this roster over. So that's why you kind of have like the Pac McAfee's leading in with, sorry, spoiler alert, Pete Dunn, um, Lorkin and Oni Lorkin, Danny Birch. um, Oni Lorkin is hard to say. Andy Hartwell. In your defense. This new group of wrestlers that are getting ready to start taking over, I think this is a good way to kind of incorporate them into storylines and then Austin Theory and then start working them into the next generation of NXT. So I thought Rhea Ripley and Dakota, or Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez was. Another just banger of a women's match in WWE this week. Like Didn't that, see it coming. That was. That's what you want heavyweight wrestling to look like, and they were doing power moves on each other. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't this high flying type of stuff. It was power moves on each other between two chicks that can go, and well, I one that could go, and then one that proved that she can go. Yes, Rhea Ripley is. You know, we, we've we said so many times in this podcast, Rhea Ripley is great. Yeah, Raquel Gonzalez we know, we know showed that she can, that she can pull her weight in a big-time match. Rhea Ripley, I'm sure, helped her along, but that yeah, was a great match. That was some, a 15-, 16-minute match. And at some point, we need to start getting other women involved. Tony Storm, I haven't even thought of since we started. So, that, I mean, looking forward. I have. Looking forward, Tony Storm, you're going to have it shut up. <laughs> you got Amber Moon and this next group of women coming forward. Yeah, uh, I think Io Shirai's got a, a pretty full dance card. And once again, this is where I'm kind of a little disappointed. And maybe, too, Beer, you sent me those articles about NXT and what could be happening COVID-wise. Okay, so there's my question. Where's like the Tony Storms, the Amber Moons of the world where this feels like a good time to kind of incorporate them in storyline and we just not seen them anymore. Yeah. Uh, apparently the only person that was supposed to be that was scheduled on that TV that did not make it was Indy Hartwell, but there are a whole bunch of people 
And it just seems like uh, what's happening is not necessarily the performers, but since everybody's down there in Florida, it seems to me most often whenever we read this news, it's more often the coaches and the trainers that contract COVID and then spread it to the locker room because they're in close personal contact with these people. And Florida's crazy. All the bars and restaurants and stuff are just like wide open and people are, you know, going to the beach. And Is that true? Beach bars. As far oh, as yeah. I'm concerned, yeah. Florida's, Florida's open. As, it, Florida's, Florida's been open. It's been, yeah, like, I was going to say, I thought the, uh, the governor crazy. came out a while ago and basically was just like, you know, it's open season. And then that's oh, when, that fucking genius. And yeah, then I've that's that when fucking, the, uh, yeah. the University of Florida head coach caught COVID basically just shut down Gainesville. <laughs> Dumbasses. So those investigations that are happening are actually happening on a county level uh, because the governor obviously could give two shits uh, whether anybody gets sick or dies or like whatever. All he cares about is uh, tourism dollars. And so like the individual counties that these places are in are actually investigating. WWE is not the only one, but it's just that WWE has so many places that they're running out of Amway center performance center. And that's why they're not at full sale. I'm guessing because all of a sudden they had to remove themselves from full sale and do the CWC. And I'm sure it has something to do with the college, you know, but anyway, regardless, um, it's a mess. Um, but uh, you mentioned the Pat McAfee thing, which very long promo, excellent. You know, you got Oni, Lur- Oni Lorkin and um, David Birch, which both these guys are fantastic. Oni Lorkin is a great social media uh, account, but I don't know like how well he talks like on the mic. And Pat McAfee talks on the mic better than most. And just totally nailed this thing. Just really better. I mean, we talked about it at that takeover. Pat McAfee is better than almost anybody. He's so good. Like, it's crazy how good he is in the ring and, like, how good he is at doing what he's doing. Like, I want to hate the guy because I think just personally he's, like, a douche. But I respect his respect for the business. Um yeah, have have I said this before on this podcast that he seems like the type of guy that's real into barstool sports or something? I think you have. Um, and it kind of actually he apparently he's from uh, Pittsburgh. He's a Pittsburgh native. Is that where Barstool's from? No, I think that's Boston. But I mean, maybe that's that. Uh, oh right yeah, coast uh, kind of feel. Tomato. Yeah, whatever. Um, just Sorry, that, sh- just that shit. Fans. Just that shit fucking attitude where he thinks he's better than you and he wants to fight it all the time. You know, it's not like yeah. us. It's not like us genteel Midwesterners. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know. We, you know, we just we just think you're better. We don't want to fight. Yeah, we don't we don't really want to fight. He does seem like an asshole, but he is great on the mic and great in the ring. And question. go ahead, Zach. Yeah, I mean this was absolutely killer. And then uh, Kyle O'Reilly interrupts, and uh, you know he's got you know no backup, right? Because everybody's gone like in the dispute era. So out comes the bruiserweight Pete Dunn. One of my all-time faves anymore. Like, this guy comes out. I legit started marking out at this point. I was like, fuck yeah. comes out. Like, I'd seen on Instagram and, like, um, Twitter and stuff. Like, he's on, like, a a plant-based diet. And he's been really working hard. This this guy came out with, like, a totally different body. Yeah, I was getting ready to say, if there is any kind of fat on him, it's minuscule at best. But go ahead. Dude, just shredded. Right. And he's already just, like, a mean-looking dude. Like, the guy's a total sweetheart as, like, a person. Like, he's awesome. 
um, all as far as like I've never met him, but as far as like, but he's got a he's got a face like one of the vampires in uh, Thirty Days of Night. Have you guys ever seen Thirty Days of Night with Josh gonna, Hartnett? Yeah, I was gonna go Lost Boys, but that's okay. I yeah, thought, or, yeah, I thought you were gonna say Lost Boys. Yeah, but he does have that face. He's he's like snarling, and yeah. his his teeth look kind of fucked up, probably because he's British. See, but, you ain't shit. British. <laughs> no. Probably because yeah, he's all, British. No, see, you, you ain't supposed to say that shit. That's fucked up. Um, no, I, they don't listen. <laughs> yes, actually, they do listen. You'd be surprised. Um, I love my Britain people. <laughs> keep the two or three we got on our side. Uh, no, I'll say hashtag like this. Me, me too. Oh, sorry, <laughs> no, wrong, wrong hashtag. Days. I'll say it like this. I wasn't as excited for Kyle O'Reilly when Pete Dunn came out because I'm always kind of looking for the swerve. And I didn't see it right away, and I really didn't see it until literally Kyle O'Reilly stepped in front of Pete Dunne, and then Pete Dunne kind of still had the chair, and I was like, oh, shit, it's too late. And next thing you know, the swerve's happening. I love it. That was right when I saw it, too. I was like, oh, Oh, shit, too late, yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, Kyle O'Reilly's getting that work. But, But, Jason, what do you think about them as a faction? I love it. Oni Lorcan, Danny Birch, Pat McAfee as the head, and Pete Dunn. As the, to me, the singles guy, the guy that's going to challenge. I think Danny Birch is British, too. I think, yeah, I was about to say, I would be stunned if he's not. Um, I'm excited for Pete Dunn versus Adam Cole. That's what makes me get some, get a little giggle in. I'm excited for Pete Dunn versus Kyle Fuck O'Reilly. That's going to yes. be immediately just because, you know, you, you did me dirty, so now I got to give you the receipt. So, I mean, Fuck Pete Dunn yes. to me is like the, the quote-unquote centerpiece of whatever this Pat McAfee faction is. Pat McAfee is going to be the mouthpiece, perfect. And then you got the tag team uh, situation locked up with Morgan uh, and Birch. This is... I kind of was knocking NXT because they, it felt like we were kind of going through the motions, not, not doing anything. Now I'm excited again because this is something that I can look forward to, and it's something that gets me excited. I'm always a faction guy to begin with, and now bringing in Pete Dunne as the head of this faction, I think we got a lot to work with. Well, Whatever this faction. Pat McAfee's the head of the faction. He is, no, he is James J. Dillon. Okay, he can wrestle, but to me, he still talks. Well, then don't we need another guy? I wouldn't be against uh, having a fourth guy in this um, in this faction. Whatever this, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Tony Storm being the woman in this fourth fact. Fourth party. Zach, what do you faction. think? Do you think this is the end of the faction, or do you think there's another person to come? I mean, you could go either way. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like the Tony Storm idea. I like having the. Uh you know, kind of a British, like, all-British faction that just, like, kicks ass. Is Arnie Lorcan British, or is he... Nah, he's American. I'm looking just, at his, I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now. Yeah, damn <laughs> he, that, he's, he's British just... now. <laughs> 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 you Benedict Arnold motherfucker. <laughs> is he just aloof? <laughs> all right. And, uh, I, anyway, that was, that was a true moment in professional wrestling, and they don't happen that much anymore, where I got... I got worked where Pete Dunn came out, turned heel, and I marked out no, by myself sitting it's on the couch. So good. It was a, it was that's that's why you watch. Yeah, and you now know what I mean. Moving forward, I kind of I'm looking forward towards Undisputed Era versus whatever the Pat yeah. McAfee faction is. Yeah, whatever it is, the Pat Pack. Uh, Zach, keep us going. Uh, we had uh, grand finale here: uh, Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae. 
Uh, we had EO with the great baby face uh, metal entrance. You know, we had uh, Poppy, who's kind of a NXT regular, uh, pretty much like a superstar. But I've seen, like, she's been around, like, NXT for, like, a minute. It's funny, like, NXT does a good job of kind of, like, catching these, like, up-and-coming uh, musicians and, like, getting them in. Like, I think that's a Triple H thing. I think he's really, like, on the nose with that. Um, it's definitely cool, and it usually adds something. It is usually something to, like, a ring entrance, and I always enjoy it. Anyway, it was good to see Poppy again. That was cool. EO's awesome. And then the Shotzi Blackheart does the wheel, and it's uh, tables, ladders, and scares. And, uh, yeah, we had just a really good ladder match between two veteran uh, women in the sport. And, um, you know, ends, you know, there's a little bit of fuckery with the dream <laughs> mask <bit>. person. <laughs> and Again. Shotzi, gets in, Shotzi gets involved uh, to kind of counteract the scream mask person. And uh, then Candace takes a crazy bump from... Mm the top of the ladder through a ladder bridge like on her knees that was pretty <sighs> pretty bonkers but uh yeah i mean these ladies are super talented i really like both of them i think uh a heel candace Lorray has really elevated her because i feel like her being that baby face even though i think she can pull it off really well it was just missing something of a connection with the character she was just too much of a generic kind of baby face and didn't have that fire and i feel like her doing this heel run when she eventually does turn face again like her and or johnny i think it's gonna make it's gonna make that even more impactful so uh, i really like this eo retained i would not have hated uh since johnny won earlier and i wasn't expecting it i kind of expected candace to win this i think that would actually be more entertaining television if they were together with the belts kind of as they had predicted it would take it would take nothing away from EO, especially with like the fuckery involved, right? Like they both would have cheated to win. And then you could have extended this, got another match out of it, or just moved on and put EO on the main roster. Like whatever. Um I don't I didn't hate it either way, but one of them having the belt without the other, I feel like it would have been a better package deal. Okay. Um, I'll just go to the match first. I thought the match was Really, really good. Probably the second best match of the night after uh, Rhea Ripley and uh, Raquel Gonzalez. I'll just say this. The spot for me was the swinging neck breaker into the tables or whatever the case may be. I thought that was absolutely amazing. But I guess moving forward, I just I'm, I don't know if I like if am I the, I'm just not sure if I like the the fact that you would have Team Gargano as champions. To me, this is what I like, the fact that you have one as a champion, the other isn't. So that way you kind of have that internal strife of, you know, I love you as husband and wife, but, you know, we're not complete because we're not the champions that, you know, we kind of said we were going to be, that we agree we're going to be. Um, EO shouldn't be losing at this point, as far as I'm concerned. Do I like... Candace versus everybody else that's coming down the pike, it makes it a little more interesting, but it's, it would be kind of hard for me to see EO lose at this point. The same way it was hard for me to lose, to look at um, Damian Priest lose to Johnny Gargano. 
it's probably been made a little easier in the sense that Gargano has been there, done that. Candice Ray has never won a title. So at that point, if you want to cough up the title to Candice Ray, no problem. But I think it's going to happen for her. I think it's just going to be one of those things where let's try to get a little more internal strife going in so that way you have that conflict. And then at some point, you can get Indy Hartwell back on TV. Candice wins the title. You can go from there. It was a tremendous week for WWE wrestling. That was a tremendous match between, Way I thought it was going to be. between those two. It was, I mean, it was must-see television. That was a great ladder match. No, it was, it was really Can, fucking good. It was really Can, fucking good. Candice LeRae has never had a problem uh, being crazy out there. No. She's had tons of death matches. She's had matches against men. She is definitely a tough person. Io Shirai is as Zach's been saying for a long time. Yeah. The as best a, woman on the roster, if not the best woman. Guy, in, I'm starting to st- Zach's really been saying that for down. a long time. I'll say sorry, And Zach. also, we didn't get we didn't get to this this week, but next week when you guys tune in, we're going to be reviewing the NXT Takeover event Chicago from May of 2017, which is Roderick Strong versus Eric Young. Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunn, which I rewatched today. Oscar <laughs> versus Nikki Cross versus Ruby Riot. Uh, Robert Rude versus Kenta, aka Hideo Itami, and totally DIY versus AOP. And if you haven't watched that match, I'm not going to give it away, but just watch till the very end. I promise. Uh, but we will be getting into that. But getting back to Larray and Io Shirai. It was a tremendous match, as as good as any men's letters, ladders match that we've ever seen that I think, really, I mean, seriously, it, I had, they pulled out all the stops. Well, you didn't know what the, the step was. So, I mean, just coming in, my expectation was EO is going to retain. How do we get from point A to point B? And that's not me being reductive to the women at all. I'm just saying to those to those that might still, up, still be out there, Reba, stop eating the cat shit. <laughs> To those of you that still might not be out there being like, well, you know, I don't really watch the women's stuff, which I don't think there's that many, you know, people that listen to this podcast that think that way. But it it was a tremendous match. I was surprised that Io Shirai went over. Really? I was. After after Gargano won, after Gargano won, and when the person with the screen mask came out, out, I I love that we do a pro pro wrestling podcast that I can say, (laughs) like, well, when the person with the screen mask came out and walked her up, I really thought that she was winning. I love the match. NXT last night was tremendous. It was very satisfying. It was well-booked and a lot of fun. I will say this. as As a guy that hates the fact that WWE slash NXT uses... WCW kind of uh, gimmicks, um, pay-per-view names. This lived up to the hype. Shoxy Blackheart was really good as the host, even though she wasn't really a host. She came in and came out. But at the when it was time for her to get involved at the end, she got involved. Matches were good. Um, even Dexter Loomis, who I, I am not a fan of, I even like that match. Whatever. The front part was good. The back part, once they got in the ring, it was what it is. But he won. Ultimately, Halloween Havoc was good. 
better than I thought it was going to be, and it wasn't a two hours wasted at the end of the day. Now, moving forward, that's where I'm looking forward to. I mean, at some point. Wait, are you gonna, saying let's just see how it plays out? No, I'm not going to say I would see how it plays out. No, there's there's certain things I don't like off the jump, and that just that is what it is. Dexter Loomis is the one guy that leaps off, but I'm I'm looking towards you guys to be telling me this is my palate cleanser. Comedy is good in wrestling, so it's okay. Okay, comedy is good in wrestling as Thank long you. as it's actually funny. So then, never mind. That's a whole other discussion for. You going to talk about Yano? Exactly. What's funny and what ain't funny. I'm just saying, like, comedy's good in wrestling as long as... Okay. Uh, and I think a lot of things in wrestling are funny that nobody else thinks is funny. Exactly. All right, Zach, any Jimmy last thoughts? This <laughs> um, no further comments, Your Honor. <laughs> Let's get to that three count. All right, the three counts going to be AEW Dynamite from last night, uh, which was also a really good show. I'm not, I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to pish pot. Like it had a bunch of good stuff. We'll start from the beginning. We had Wardlaw, Wardlow versus. You don't have right. No, it's I can't say Wardlow. I always want to say Wardlaw, Wardlow. Okay. Wardlaw. Wardlow. Uh, he went against Adam Hangman Page. Page ended up going over. This is the best Wardlow's ever looked. Yeah, but I mean, I'll say it like this. It, it was still, a, it wasn't a good match. It was decent. It, once again, you kind of knew where this was going to go, but to me, the biggest takeaway from this match is that they didn't have Wardlow go over with the single finisher. It took the second buck shot lariat to finally get him down and keep him down for the pin. That's protection, man. Okay. And I, I'm i perfect with that. I'm not asking for Warlow to be the guy right now. I'm asking for Warlow to be the guy two or three years from now. Him, Jungle Boy, MJF, the next round of AEW guys that I expect to be Scorpio Sky, the next round of guys I expect to be. You mean after Jericho gets through his next four gimmicks and gets them all over? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, right. As a matter of fact, this, this next round of AEW guys I expect to lead the forefront, and Wardlow is going to be a part of that. So you have to kind of keep him strong at all times. You just can't job him out just because you want to see Page versus Omega. Oh, so you're cool with him taking two buckshot lariats? Yes, very much okay. so. Very uh, much so. Uh, Zach, what you think? Yeah, I mean, Wardlow has huge babyface potential. Uh, we all know it's coming, and it's a mega slow burn. It's going to be an even slower burn than this Jericho MJF burn. It's you know, long-term storytelling and uh, he's got a bright future and they did the perfect job of, like you guys said, getting this guy over in a loss and AEW is really good with that. Um, they just are like, it's not me being like a Mark. I know like I get like a lot of comments like, Oh yeah, you're just a Mark. You just like AEW. It's like, no, um, I just like good storytelling in any visual medium and they do a nerd. job of that without burying the other talent. So uh, we've got, you know, Hangman Adam Page and Wardlow. Who should win this match? Obviously, Adam Page, right? Of course. How are we? How are we going to make 
this happen without burying the other guy. We just make him look strong, right? It's not that hard. Like, it's really not. It, it only seems hard because the dominant monopoly on the business for the last 20 years has made it so incredibly complex uh, that people try to, like, do all these mental gymnastics to, like, make things, like, work. And it it just doesn't have to. Like, like Jason said, right now is not Wardlow's time. He's going to have his time, but he still looks strong. Like, it was the same thing when he lost to Cody. Cody had to jump off the top of a oh, motherfucking shit. cage into right. a moonsault, right? Like, just to beat this guy. I have a great so, idea for a Zach shirt. It should say, two beer booking, and on the back it says, it's not that hard. <laughs> because that <laughs> that's kind of his catchphrase. Nah, I say, I think it should, it's kind of his catchphrase. Be, like, it needs to all be in the front. Well, yeah, yo, no, you're right about that. It needs to all be in the front. But Zach <laughs> loves some simple booking. Right. Which no, I, I don't even disagree with. In this scenario, I just think it'd be a cool shirt. Yeah, well, I agree with that totally. Two beer booking. It's, it's not, not that, that hard. hard. BFR. <laughs> We're all in the front, nothing on the back. All right, Mox that cut. Could, that could that could describe a few other things after two beers. <laughs> I, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking that also. I say you on your own. On I was one. like, oh, it's a dick joke too, <laughs> right? Uh, Moxley cut a promo after this that was just. It's one of those things that nobody will think about ever again because it's this 90-second promo in the middle of a Dynamite episode that he's not even in, really. But he cuts this promo where he goes, I've been defending this belt. He goes, but now I'm going to weaponize it. And he was talking about beating Eddie Kingston. And that line is a line that I've never heard before in a promo. And it's just fucking brilliant, man. It's just yeah. it's brilliant promo work from John Moxley. Just unbelievable stuff. I didn't even I don't even know what weaponizing the title is, but it, it made me kind of at least for thirty seconds be like, what is he talking about? You know it's it's Well, me, he was talking about how Eddie Kingston hadn't earned his shot in terms of the record. Okay. And he goes, But I'm offering Eddie Kingston this shot at the title. Because fuck him, basically. So now I'm using my I'm using my standing as the AEW title holder to make this to make this point to make this personal. Now I'm okay. gonna fuck Eddie Kingston up. With that, okay, and man. now I want to see him fuck Eddie Kingston up. It's, I'm gonna oh, see so Eddie good. Kingston. So I want to see. Go ahead. Go ahead, Super. They're both. There's a. They're both so good at building these matches, but John Moxley, especially because we keep seeing it, am. There is always doses of reality in these John Moxley promos, and like I've said it before, but like he straight up said, "Protect your neck," right? Oh, yeah, he I did. Guarantee you, this match ends in a chokehold. Like, yes, it's just like that's like they've already established that they've already talked about it. Like he did the same thing whenever, um, you know, I, I forget like who it was. It was a uh, was it Hager or whatever, and he said he was going to break his arm. Right, right. You know, and it, they worked the arm the entire time. Like. John Moxley is that guy that tells you what he's going to do, and then he goes out and does it. And almost the, the switchblade of AEW. Yeah, the one day that he does not do that is the day that he loses that title. Like that's it. Like, and it's perfect. Uh, next up, we had Kingston versus Matt Sydal. Matt Sydal, um, Mizzou grad, St. Louis born and bred. I keep um, that. Apparently he had a yeah, business. He's like uh, friends, friends of friends. Like I'm, I'm acquainted to Matt Seidel, but I've never met him. But like, yeah, he he had a couple business classes with my brother Jacob in college. Um, I'm glad that he's working, 
I'm glad that he's in AEW. Uh, Kingston went over. I think I was flipping in between. It was fine. I, I we really gotta get to. There's a few things we really gotta get to here. Let's let's go to the town hall next. <laughs> so the the town hall was a lot of things. It was uh, it was satirical. It was funny. But what it did the most is it got us to what's going to be a huge card at full gear. Full gear is looking fucking massive. It's a week from this Saturday. But what it got us to was MJF versus Jericho. If MJF goes over, he is in the inner circle. If he loses, he's not. This is the type of stipulation that only pro wrestling can give you and only pro wrestling marks can get super excited about. Zach, how excited on a scale of 1 to 10 are you for this match? Uh, this match in particular, I would say like I am at an 8.75. I would agree. Um, I would agree with that. Because, you know, it 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 definitely it's been a slow build. There's a lot of storytelling behind it and I and it seems like the they kind of get along. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, <laughs> but here's the thing. Like, they're totally like peas in a pod, right? Like, MJF is a slightly, is, is like a less athletic young Chris Jericho, right? Only like he actually shows even more promise than Chris Jericho did at that time. Because MJF, for his age, should not be stealing segments from Chris Jericho. Like, last week... Hugely entertaining segment. MJF overshadowed Chris Jericho. I say this last week, night. Uh, yeah, this week he overshadowed him and Eric Bischoff, who is a celebrity camo. And as much as you want to say about Eric Bischoff destroying one of the best like wrestling promotions on the planet at the time with bad management, he is an excellent on-screen performer and uh, also friend of the show. So I'm sorry about that. But... <laughs> like the the fact that he's like what 24 years old and overshadowing all of this like you know talent is 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 bonkers so him in his last the last aw pay-per-view where he made evented against john moxley and then showed the world that he could be not only this fun cutting uh like total asshole like heel but also a main event wrestler like Dude, like, these guys are going to have a great match, even if it's not, like, a barn burner as far as, like, flips and kicks and stuff like that. Like, these guys are going to have a very good, psychologically-based, story-driven professional wrestling match. That was a lot. I was playing the clip. I know you can't hear the clips, no, but I, I, <laughs> I was playing the clip from last night where Luchasaurus came up and asked the question, and MJF goes, oh, that was a great question for a dinosaur. <laughs> 65 million years old. <laughs> Which really cracked me up. What do you think of it, Jason? Oh, come on. You know what I think of it. This is just slowly but surely going to the prophecy I laid out beforehand. It's just now we've gotten a doorway to get us from point A to point B. Um, the segment was good. I'm not a huge fan of the Luchasaurus part of it, but it was still kind of funny. But there's comedy in wrestling. Um, obviously, Eric Bischoff was a callback for the uh, 
DMJF Orange Cassidy segment. Well, it's also that it seems like Bischoff is meant to be there as a thorn in the side for Jericho. Kind of, sort of, yeah, especially when he called him a, a prima donna, you know, we used to work before and all that other good stuff. So at the end of the day, to me, the segment worked because, A, it, even though there was parts of it I didn't like, it was still ultimately funny. And, B, more importantly, we're now getting us into a scenario where MJF has to wrestle, not only wrestle Jericho, which eventually was going to happen, He's got to beat him to get into the inner circle, which. And he said he'll do anything to do, to do it. it. So that means for me, like Santana and Ortiz are the tag team, but one wants MJF in and the other doesn't. Right. So it does this mean that now all we got now we got this nuance, right? All I. Options are good. So now it gets my mind to think, can this happen? And then next week, it's MJF and Wardlow versus Ortiz Ortiz and and Sammy Sammy Guevara. Guevara. So now does Santana sit out? Does he come to ringside? It just, that's why I like having options, just for the simple fact that it keeps me guessing. A good swerve is a good swerve because you don't see it coming. I don't, I'm not saying that Santana is going to be a part of that swerve, but ultimately, I think you build it up to now, it gets to the point where MJF takes over the inner circle, and then that's when the big swerve happened. That's where Bullet Club is Bullet Club, because you don't see it coming when they boot out um, Finn Balor, AJ Styles, Kenny Omega, yada, yada, yada. All right, let's move on to Cody versus Orange Cassidy. In a Lumberjack match, the Lumberjacks really didn't do their job in this match. Uh, JR was 100% right. Maybe I'm just old like JR, but the Lumberjacks didn't do their job in this match. What's the point of having a Lumberjack match because you don't want Dark Order to get involved, and then you have Dark Order in the Lumberjacks? Jason, I can tell you're chomping at the bit. No, I'll be brief on this Champing at the bit. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'll be brief on this one. The high watermark for me was Cody gets punched by Trent in front of Dustin, and Dustin does nothing. That's all I need to know at this point. I don't. I know what was going to happen. Cody is going to retain, but I mean, if you're going to have this train wreck that's going to happen outside the ring, make it a logical train wreck. You are not going to punch my brother in front of me, and then I'm not going to do anything about it. So, okay, granted. Arn Anderson gets a little receipt on the back end, but th- that's Arn Anderson. You're not going. You're not going. I would just assume that you and Jacob have a decent enough relationship that you are not going to allow your brother to get punched in front of you and not do anything. Who's punching him? My other brother? Uh, no, no. This that that let it go. Yeah, exactly. Which one are you talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, punch him again. No, it's it's so it's random. Fuck them all up. Right? It's random punching Jacob. No, and it's yeah. a random dude. Yes, exactly. I, I get what you're saying, and that's all I'm saying. The match was fine, but once again, it kind of it goes back to my Roman Reigns argument from beforehand. I don't mind the the match being predictable, but just a makes sense. Which that made absolutely no sense and be entertaining from point A to point B. It was entertaining. 
It just didn't make sense at certain points. What you think, Zach? Oh, yeah, I thought exactly the same. Like, I really didn't like this. And it was also skeptical, like, whenever they booked this match, like, again. And it's just, like, if you didn't want to beat the guy, then don't book the match, right? Like, we say this with WWE a lot. Like, they always try to find their way to, like, some kind of fucky finish because they don't want to beat either person. And it's like, just don't make the match. Like, we don't need the match that badly, right? Like, so I just didn't like the fact that they introduced this step, like, Jason said, and you said to make the Dark Order not, you know, be a factor, and then ultimately, like the Dark Order is just a factor. Like, true story. It just, uh, it was just, it was just lame, and it was, it was bad storytelling, and it was not typical of their show, especially not typical of a angle involving Cody Rhodes. Yeah, I so, was gonna say that's lazier than we expect from. Okay, AEW. Can, we, can we talk about the other step that we we kind of skipped over? Sure. Okay, so apparently, well, I shouldn't say apparently, but Young Bucks and FTR have their... Oh, I was getting there, but uh, go no, ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Set it up. Uh, well, the Young Bucks said that if they don't beat FTR at full gear, that they will no never again challenge for the tag team belts, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, and we and granted, so this conversation moving forward, none of us talked about it, so this is all going to be our this own. Is, this is all fresh. You never brought this up to me before. No. Go first. What do you think? Are, are we done with oh, Are we done with Cassidy and Cody? I, I can be done yeah, with Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fine with that. We can move on. Okay. Uh, what do I think about that? I think that it you know what you're going to say. Just say it. Just say no, it. If I, this was I, WWE and they did that, what would you say? No, but it's 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 nah, in a, it's it's not in a vet. It's it, a pass. No, no, I'm not going to give them a pass. I'm going to say that it makes it more interesting because Cody already did it and failed, and now it makes me think that the Young Bucks are going to win. I would say that it's interesting going forward thinking – because I know that Cody already played this trick and it didn't work for him. So now I think that the Young Bucks are actually going to go over. You know, but this is also what I thought last night after Gargano won is that LeRae was going to win and then they would be walking around with both belts and they would be, you know, dickheads about it. Uh, what do you think, Zach? I just think it makes it a little bit too predictable because even – I just expect them to win now. Uh, but, you know, if they they didn't, that would be a big shock. I understand, like, it definitely makes it interesting, right? Any kind of, like, step where it's, like, for all time definitely, like, makes it interesting. And they have not gone back on any steps. I mean, I think the worst example of them going back on a step is just what we talked about with that last match, there being a lumberjack match that was ineffectual. Well, right? but they, just, they also talked about how records were going to mean stuff. And then Eddie Kingston. No, that's not a step. That's, uh, that's kind listen, of. Listen, I, I well, have no, I have no thing, problem with, with it. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like generally they very much do, and they definitely play into it. Like, you know, they all, they mention the records. They absolutely matter. Like the people that get title shots usually, or not people that get beat a bunch. And the thing with Eddie Kingston is he was thrown in because of a COVID thing and because Lance Archer was out. And the match got over, and they're like, well, fuck, like, let's do that again, right? Like, I mean, like, you got to, like, strike while the iron's hot. And so I totally get that. But generally speaking, yeah, they said they were going to be more stats-based, and I expected a little more out of that, like, as far as, like, 
you know how baseball and stuff has like the wackiest statistics and like this guy is uh you know batting 700 against sagittarius uh, people whose uh wives or brothers would start with the letter a right you know, yeah like, but that doesn't put them in the world series <laughs> yeah yeah so you know i just thought it would be a little bit more stats based as far as like that went and kind of you know that more sports oriented but i'm fine with what they've done so far especially being like a fledgling company but um getting back to um you know just like this particular stipulation the young bucks and ftr is the match that everybody wanted before it was even a possibility right and it's just that's what they're working with and the way that they've gotten to it like i can't say i'm like in love with it like the young bucks being these weird tweeners and stuff like it's entertaining and i don't like hate it or anything but it just seems like i said like i'm kind of more i like I guess when it comes to wrestling, I like the more kind of like black and white aspect. Like I like the fact of babyface versus heels and, you know, it just seems, it seems a little convoluted. It seems like a little too, a little too smart. Right. And I just don't, don't require that so much. So the stipulation it is, it's been like a year. It's been a while since Cody did it. Like it was, it seems fresh in our minds, but it has been a very long time. Uh, but I still think it does make it more predictable because, like, I mean, it's the Young Bucks. Like, Cody's going to be fine without that world title, but it's the Young Bucks. No, I agree. And that I wasn't even going with the as, – as crazy as it sounds, I wasn't going with the predictable part about it. I was just going with, you know, okay, didn't we just do this? And then from that point, it, I kind of started to turn myself off on the fact of – you know, what's going to happen, you know, future booking and all that other nonsense. It, it would be different if the Bucks did this first or, you know, whatever the case may be. To me, you can call your shot if you want to. I have no problem with being braggadocious. God knows I'm a one as braggadocious as they come. Yeah, really and truly. But if you're going to be braggadocious, you better be the first to be braggadocious. Don't be the second because now the second person look is they're saying the same thing that the first one is. It's kind of weird to see that. You don't want. It's wanna... almost like they're being super califragilistic <laughs> I'm glad you're saying it. Uh, <laughs> I just don't think that it was necessary. Ultimately, I don't think it's necessary to have a stip on this match at all. You built it up the right way to where now I'm excited for this match. I'm glad that the Young Bucks didn't have a match in the ring so that way Matt can be on TV but not necessarily, you know, wrestle or whatever so you can, quote-unquote, sell the uh, the ankle injury, you know, talk the, uh, the whole thing up and then get to the step. But, I mean, like I said, for me personally, there was no reason in the world for to even have this step because, I mean – if there's quote-unquote dream matches, we've been talking about this dream match for the better part of a calendar year, maybe even two-plus years. Let's just make it happen, and then if FTR retains, then you can have the Bucks come back with this. But just don't come off with it, 
oh, we're just not going to, you know, challenge for the title after the first time. You know, have they, them lose. They have been talking about this match for a long time. Since the revival was, was in, in WWE. NXT, yeah. I was going to go into NXT type shit. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. You know, have the first match. Have the Bucks lose in some janky fuckery to now you really felt forced like you have to be pushing the chips in the middle. I do think it's kind of weird that the Young Bucks are kind of claiming babyface now. At the very end, after the shit that they pulled, like just be some tweeners, just be some heels, like what, whatever. It doesn't matter to me what you guys are gonna do, but don't try to claim babyface, right, Zach? Yeah, I, I really have not liked that very much. It, like I said, even though it's entertaining, I'm just not as into that whole like over one thing over another. Like, give me like. A clear-cut definition, yeah, it's fine if you want to work tweener or work heel with an individual uh, match like Cody did with the TNT title, right? You know, whenever he was facing pure baby faces, he would of work course. that Cha- championship, you know, I'm the champion. kind The of most like famous cut. example when uh, Hogan and Rock fought in Toronto and yeah. Rock, Rock knew, Rock went into the match as a baby face. And understood that he was fighting heel, and then they started, they switched places. It was so instinctual. Absolutely, yeah. So, like, have that flexibility, but, like, right now it's confusing to the viewer. And even the announcers don't even know what's going on. And I know that's part of the story, but it's not, like, you know, like... The T-shirt says it's not that hard. Uh, (laughs) We have got to make that happen. Yeah, we got to make it. Uh, Miro... Or, sorry. No, I was just going to say Rock versus Hogan, one of the greatest WrestleMania matches, probably my favorite of all time. Uh, Miro and Kip Sabian attacked the best friends. Um, I'll, 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 say, I'll say this real quick. I watched Dark last night, and Miro was one of the, um, the guest commentators or whatever, and they talked about this particular segment. And the fact that he came on and was like, you know, this was a wedding gift for Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford, blah, blah, blah. That's the, st- as much as I hate the angle, that's what I was really kind of looking for to be like, okay, I hate the angle, but at least it makes sense. This was a wedding gift to the wedding couple. I'm the best man. And then, at least in my eyes, in Miro's eyes, best friends came over and fucked up the wedding gift. So now I'm pissed. That makes sense. It, it yeah I, from I don't, that point do what you want to do it doesn't really I don't really care I've been watching wrestling long enough that I don't really care why an angle starts as long as it makes sense and, and the, as long as it, it makes, makes sense. sense so this makes sense so at that point when Miro comes in and Kev Sabian comes in and they start being now best friends now I'm good with this now I we can do, see this I do we go. I do like where I like Kip Sabian and Miro's uh, chemistry. I hope they don't take too long to get Miro into the TNT championship picture or the big championship picture. If there's been any any constant in this podcast, banned from ringside, it's been that I am a Rusev slash Miro Mark. I love him. You told me he wasn't a star. He's clearly a star. Uh, this thought, is the best gaslighting in the history of gaslighting, <laughs> maybe ever. How, oh, my God. How do you figure? 
What are you talking about, gaslighting? We just got to go back in the archives. The whole Rusev was a star thing was probably the predominant gimmick of early BFR. And, and look, yeah, but what's where's the gaslighting come in? You said he wasn't a star. No, 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 I, no, no, no. I was the one. He that, always no. gets this wrong. Zach always yeah, gets this I was wrong. The one that, I was the one that said that Rusev was not top tier oh, guy. Oh, being a gimmick. <laughs> yes. You always get this. This is probably the third time we've gone over this where you're like, oh, yeah, Bill's just lying because Jason likes him. It's like, no, no. I loved him. No. I'm, I've always loved Rusev. I did, Slash Miro. Yeah, I'm, I like to be a man that admits when he's wrong, especially in this scenario. Like the baseball thing last week. No, I'm not wrong on that. Uh, so, uh, Serena Deeb uh, wins the NWA women's title. That is Serena from the Straight Edge Society, right? If I'm not mistaken, yes. Okay. Did she have some work done or something? She looks a little different, right? Skinnier? That can't be. I would have to look, go back and look at it. All I right. Skipped it. Doesn't I'll, matter. I'll, I'll, go, I'll go like this. Is it the uh, same woman? I'm, I'm going to say yes. Now, from that point, my only problem with this whole thing is that it's it was literally, it wasn't even 24 hours ago that, okay, it was Wednesday. So Tuesday, I guess, she won it. Apparently, she gets on the flight. Now she's here on Wednesday. I mean, if we're going to play this, you know, cat and mouse game with the NWA, then at least – Provide us the footage, you know, give us, the, you know, the YouTube, you know, link, something like that. Because, I mean, now this is the second person that's that you brought over from NWA. Fuck you. This is the second person that you brought over from NWA to do this shit. So, I mean, let's start making sense of it. Don't hide behind it. That's why I like ROH, because they don't hide behind WWE, New Japan, company labels. If somebody works for this per company, then they just say it. Serena Deeb doesn't work for the NWA. She works for W or AD, AEW at this point. She contracted that shit. So now, if she's going over and getting somebody else's title, wouldn't you want to have that connection? Wouldn't you want to be like, hey, you know, our champion is Sheeta, but, you know, we have other great wrestlers over here that are going out and get other titles. I don't know. The matches itself was good. I love Leo Hirsch. I think she's the next one that should be getting signed that's not signed yet. But to me, once again, logic is not making sense zach i don't, uh, I don't think i don't think aw shies away from that I, I don't know if there's any like specific politics involved with that specific transaction because i know thunder rosa is kind of like it's like a controversial thing right now sounds but, like um, she's going to I mean, wwe wwe is the only one that ignores other promotions like every other promotion totally recognizes the rest of the other promotions like to one extent or the other, like AW obviously recognizes Japan more right. than like say their their American. Okay, but that's what I was saying. Know, I was gonna say you don't hear them really call WWE out by name, impact by name. You know, they'll they'll acknowledge New Japan. Okay. Ring of Honor and Impact are the only companies that I can think of off the top of my head that have no problem saying WWE, AEW, well, I think it's because so many of their is. stars have done the bigger and better things, and they're like clutching it, you know, the yeah. coattails, right? I, I'm of I'm of two minds on this. I, I can 
totally see where like impact might want to talk like just on the screen right now bound right. for glory from right. last week is eric young and rich swan and i could totally see why impact would want to say former wwe cruiserweight champion yeah. or for former wwe whatever yeah, eric yeah, young yeah. ever won but i can totally see i can also see why a company like that might be like hey let's acknowledge everybody else except wwe they don't do anything from us all we do is feed them let's acknowledge everybody else like a rising tide floats all boats unless you're talking about wwe i i think it's it i don't think there's a wrong way to go or a right way to go it's just probably you know company by company right i'll say this and to here you can take it from here if it was me and I could do it and get away with it. I'm not. I don't want to shy away from the fact that AJ Styles came from Company A to Company B, and now he's here for Company C. You know what I'm saying? I want this to be a scenario where I don't. I don't have to convince you that AJ Styles is a star. I don't want to have to convince you that uh, Keith Lee was somebody that was really good in Evolve, but if you haven't seen Evolve, then just take my word for it. You know, he's going to be good here. It should be a scenario where I don't have to hide the fact that he went from this company to that company. I just want to be a scenario where it should be legit, where you don't have to worry about a person being from ROH and now Adam what do you Cole. Think of, uh, Zach, what do you think about that? Roderick Strong. Yeah, that's it just goes to like what I was saying where you have guys that have just gone on to do better things in other companies. So, of course, like you're going to mention AJ Styles whenever you are on an Impact show or, you know, a lot of their X Division guys. Whereas... WWE doesn't acknowledge it because they think they're the only game in town. AEW will kind of pick and choose because they don't necessarily want to acknowledge Impact because, I mean, they jumped in the scene and they're already heads and shoulders above Impact. Like, I, I enjoy Impact as, like, its thing, but it, it is very much not an, uh, an A show, right? It's, a, it's just a B-rated show. Their women's division is way better than AEW. I especially like, feel bad for them because they don't have Whoa, they, whoa, whoa. They don't Say that fans. again. Say that again. What, the women's division? Uh-huh. Yeah, Impact's women's division is way better than AEW. But overall, okay. like as a as a promotion, right, they're they're just and it's not even like their fault. They're just recognized as like the B show. And I, and that's to that's to hardcore wrestling fans. Whereas like it's super unfortunate because in the casual audience, the people that don't normally watch wrestling, like WWE is the only game in town and AEW and like new Japan. These places are, are completely incidental. Like they almost like don't even exist. I don't say like, this. Don't even... I don't say this lightly. Like AEW's women's division is severely lacking for a promotion that forced its way onto the main scene with a bunch of money and a bunch of stars and with a a mantra or an ethos that seemed like it was going to put a lot of emphasis on the women's division and their women's division is 
bad. Well, here's the thing. Kenny Omega is the head of their women's division. Is and he? Omega come. I mean, it, I it, mean it, you know, if you look at him on Twitter, as as, he's not really trying to claim that much about this women's division. I mean, I thought him and Brandy had a little uh, a tete-a-tete amongst themselves where they were basically, you know, oh, you're the head of the women's division. No, you're head of the women's division. So, I mean... I'm the tag team as, champion. As no, I'm the tag team EV- champion. <laughs> as far as all those EVPs go, Kenny is going to be the one that has the most to say about the women's division. And the thing is with Kenny, like obviously, like big Josie wrestling fan, like we're we have this pandemic, like we're missing Yuka Sakazaki, right? Like she's doing awesome stuff, like in Stardom, and uh, we're missing like you know even like B Priestley, right? Um, yeah some of these people that they would have been leaning on that would have added a ton of variety and a ton of talent. Kylie Ray. Uh, I mean, yeah, Kylie Ray like had her own thing. I mean, she just, she no showed impact. She no showed mm-hmm. the impact pay-per-view. So, I mean, all those people that act like AEW was did something evil to Kylie Ray, Kylie Ray's got her own stuff going on. I don't know what it is, but I mean, I hope she works it out, but I mean, no showing pay-per-views ain't, ain't good. Like it's not a good sign. All right, let's so, keep this moving. Uh, Sean Spears, <laughs> Came out with Tully Blanchard. He's, oh, dude, this is so funny. He last squashed week, a dude. Scorpio Jason, Sky came Jason, out. Jason, Stra- Jason straight up said last week, where's Scorpio Sky? Where's Sean? <laughs> <laughs> They're in a few together now. Motherfuckers. They heard oh. me. <laughs> and they pointed out how good Sean Spears' record was. He's like 14 right. and 2. Right. And that's, I'll say it like this, and now I'll piggyback. Sean Spears is a no-talent hack that I never <laughs> want to watch wow. ever again. I'll watch Scorpio Sky fight a broom more than I'll watch Sean Spears fight Scorpio Sky. What do you think, Jason? A, you're... He is called Scorpio Sky a janitor. <laughs> okay. Zach, I'm, I've been I'm drinking. like right here. We've been doing fight. shots. Yeah, so I could touch if him. If anybody's still here. Yeah, if I, I could touch him right now. Go to F&B Eatery. <laughs> a, and then B, don't, don't incite me because I can literally touch him and we could have a brawl right here and it could go south. Um, I, I, I don't have a problem with the Scorpio Sky, Sean Spears feud i'll just say this this is where like last night i was watching um aw dark or whatever catching up and aw dark was two and a half hours and i'm like what the fuck okay so a this that's not even as long as this podcast a this leads me to believe that aw really needs the third show it really needs the third show I like Dark like anybody else, but to me, AEW Dark is like the developmental show. It's like um, Superstars. Superstars, main, main event. event, 205 Live-ish, whatever sure. the case may be. It yeah. should not be two and a half hours long. If you want to throw it on Friday, fine. If you want to throw it on Thursday, fine. But You ain't got to watch it. I'm going now, to watch it. Here's the thing. It. That's... that's- that's my counterpoint. Like it, it can be as long as it needs to be to get these wrestlers the ring time that they need to get better. Because you have a bunch of green wrestlers, and you don't got to watch it. It's on YouTube. You can pick and choose. Like it's okay, not, it's, it's the same thing. Like BTE. I don't watch BTE, but like where you have a John Silver coming in with the uh, the Orange Cassidy match. If I 
which I don't. I don't watch BTE, but then all of a sudden I'm seeing John Silver as this next guy. He interferes in the Cody versus um, Orange Cassidy match. And now the next thing I know, I'll look up. We have Orange Cassidy versus John Silver. To me, my only problem with this with this one is it feels like I have to watch everything that is not AEW or AEW Dark. But you if don't. Yeah, you really have to. No, but, you don't. I don't. If you want to keep up with the storylines. I haven't I haven't watched Dark in six months. But you watch BTE, correct? Uh, not every week. But, yeah, I mean, incident, like, you know, here and there. Out of four four weeks of the year or four weeks of the month, how many times do you watch BTE? I'd say since the pandemic. Like, it used to be every week, but since the pandemic, like, half the time okay so it was more so to my point you're talking to the guy in me that doesn't even watch it versus you that watches it two times a month so you can at least it's like little insider stuff it doesn't even okay but i've never watched it okay but that's what i'm saying john silver to me getting being over is like ooh, you know this is absolutely unbelievable i do want to say that I love doing the podcast with you guys, and I'm glad that one of us does this. But there's no way I'm watching AEW after dark. I'm not okay. I'll say it like this: There's no way I'm watching it. If it was an hour, I would watch it without question. An hour and a half, it's still good. When it's two and a half hours, and the majority of it is developmental, you that's still watch my it. Problem. I watch it because, yeah, because, you know, that's what I do. But I mean, damn, you know, at a certain let's, point, let's move be on. Better. Let's move on. We have Omega versus Penta. We haven't even gotten to that. We haven't even gotten to the odds and ends. We're two hours in. Omega versus Penta. What did you think of Omega versus, versus Penta? I loved it. What did you think of it, Zach? Or, uh, Zach? The other guy. Um, I think it, as far as I can remember, uh, from all in, which, uh, you were there with me. Uh, both of you guys were, I, Barely. I don't, by the, by the time that main event came around, I don't remember much, but I feel like this was as good as that main event was. Um, and it's, it's, pretty it's a really good match. Uh, definitely. And it went up against, you know, a, 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 or a NXT, you know, women's title match. That was also excellent. And that's exactly um, what we wanted when we talked about the Wednesday Night Wars. That's exactly what we wanted, man. Yeah, I'll, it was I'll, really good. Can, can you imagine us a year ago saying, okay, it's going to be Io Shirai in, versus Candice LeRae in a Halloween Havoc ladder match where they go all out, or it's going to be Kenny Omega versus Penta, all on cable. All on cable where you have... NXT go pretty amazing eight minutes or it's, whatever the case may be. It's which, amazing, and that I think that's that's another thing I think we kind of uh, buried a little bit where NXT has kind of gone out their way at least in this at least in this week to go over their nine o'clock time slot where I'm finishing AEW. I'm like okay, so I can turn over to USA and it's not a oh shit this match is still going on so you. I saw the end of the main event to where I was like, okay, yeah, this was good. So let's watch this match, you know, watch the whole thing right away. I'll just say this. The biggest problem with me and just the whole AEW thing is 
I just wish that it would still just kind of be on point. Not necessarily everything makes sense, but there are certain things that kind of do make sense and there are other things that don't. NXT is the kind of same way where I want um, Austin Theory to be Gargano's understudy. Andy Hartwell kind of be that understudy. So when you get to the main event where now it's a it's an opportunity to kind of elevate i don't know if we're elevating anybody to me like i said eo shirai was the the one that i expected to win it did it didn't happen but this on the same aspect i kind of want to see other things other people elevated i don't know if we're elevating indy hartwell i don't know if we're elevating um but are we theory. but are we elevating penta because we're talking about ko versus oh, penta well, Penta was a fill-in um, because actually, Phoenix- thank you. Take that back. I think we're seeing the yeah, but I think we're seeing the innovation. I'm gonna steal this from um, Zach. No, I'm I'm gonna steal it from. Hey, S- hey, Stoner, are you here? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Shut your ass up. <laughs> I'm trying not to I use real I asked you about names. Kenny Omega versus Penta, and I'm you're talking use, about Io Shirai versus Cancel Ray. I'm not trying to use real names. Zach, you shut your ass out. You ain't got to use real names. Just tell me what you thought about Kenny Omega versus Penta. Phoenix, A, Phoenix is going to be the next baby face. All right. B, I have a hard time with the outside where you have the um, – Destroyer, and then they brought him into the ring with the package power driver. So, so now, no, hang on. Okay, I'm with you. That's that to me is a problem. So if you're gonna if you're gonna have somebody take the package power driver on top of oh the package power driver was badass. Let's talk about that, Zach. What you think about the package power driver? Oh man, I mean that's after just, the fact. Uh, that's- I, that's the spot that I expected. Um, I mean, like we've seen that package pile driver on the apron, like from them at all in. I do remember that. Would, um, would Zach? Would you, as a, you know, just as a regular dude, would you take a package pile driver from Penta? Like, would no. you trust him to not break your neck? Absolutely not. Because family. that takes a lot of trust and. I watched that package pile driver. They showed it over and over and over again four or five times. And Kenny Omega looked like his neck was almost broken. I guess there's the problem where it's it's the combination of one on top of the other. Destroyer should have probably been the pin. If you do Destroyer on top of package pile driver, that definitely should have been the pin. You of all people should be the first one jumping up to be all kind of pissed off. Whoa. What should I be pissed off about? We're kicking out the finishers. We did back-to-back finishers. Yeah, but they never minutes. kicked out of the one-wing angel. Angel. It's the one that's truly protected in 2020. But I understand, else, I understand when I'm watching a Kenny Omega match that the one-wing angel is not getting kicked out of. Because it's never it been kicked out of. It right? shouldn't have. Right? Never. I think it's kicked, been kicked out of once. But it should By whom? Abushi? Two beer getting this one. I was going to say. I'm actually, so, like, the hamsters in the wheel is working in my brain. 
I want to say it's never been kicked out of, but I also feel like there was one time. I think it was uh, one time. Sonata was the first guy to kick out of the Kamigoye, so. Well, that's not what we're talking about, Zach. I think it was but one time saying- that the One Wing Angel is basically the most protected. We are of all so time. off the rails. I can't believe that anybody would still be listening. What do you think about Ken KO versus Penta? Did you like it? Did you like it? Was it good? Jason? Oh, man. KO? You said, you mean, uh, oh, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking Kevin Can't Owens. Get to I'm see. Like, oh, man, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You make me feel good about life. Thank you. I said the same thing. I, I guess they the all look thing. alike to you. Uh, it was a cool match. Really? I really liked the match. I liked it, too. Ultimately, like I said, to me, the biggest takeaway is Ray Phoenix is going to be a baby face. Coming out of this, it's going to be a matter of when and where, but forcing him out of this match is a baby is going to help him as a baby face and then Penta losing it keeps it going. What do you think, Zach? I found the answer. Abushi was the only one who did it, but it was in DDT. See? There you go. That's gonna do it for our three count. <laughs> You guys are fucking wasteoids, man. You guys are fucking wasted. Okay, so Sierra Nevada celebration for two hours. Odds and ends. I know this has been a long podcast. I I can't believe anybody would still be listening right now. I gotta drive my family to Grand Swarm. It's a good thing my wife's sober. Odds and ends. Retribution's done, right? Yes. They're gonna save Mustafa Ali. They're done. No, the, the whole thing is that Vince parody on what he hates about life and in society in general it's retri- retribution is done but i'll i'll leave will be they're, safe they're, though they're antifa no. only they're actually anti thank you which is anti-rating agreed anti-fascism all right uh I, I i'm not even gonna pick that apart i don't even care <laughs> Uh, it looks like we're getting New Day versus Street Profits on at uh, Survivor Series, which sounds fun. Bill should be uh, fun. That's, that's Vince, and we'll just uh, we'll just you know put the blacks together. You, you know, stole my thunder, does. motherfucker! You can't it's like steal my it's joke. like a different world versus Amen. Uh, oh, and then <laughs> versus Boys Two Men. <laughs> what the fuck? How's the how's, how the white guys making the better jokes than the black man? <laughs> that's a fucking comedy. That's the funniest joke I've ever told. Yeah. Um, good. Uh, we had Lars Sullivan uh, squashes Shorty G, and Shorty G quits and says, and they came up to him afterwards. They said, are you quitting WWE? He goes, no, I'm quitting Shorty G. Good for him. I'm going to be a man. I'm going to be Chad, Chad Gable. Gable. So, get, your, get your name back, baby. That's what I'm talking that's about. That's cool to me. It looks like we're getting a Daniel Bryan. I, we're either getting a Daniel Bryan KO tag team or, or we're getting Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn, which sounds incredible on give, paper. Give me uh, give me Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn straight up. I don't want to see KO, you know, wrestling with anybody else. Just give me that and give me the winner gets KO. That's perfect. Any thoughts on any of this, Zach? Yeah, I mean, like, if you're going to uh, not have – KO as one of your top guys like it's kind of like you know with the Jericho like tag team like why not put them in a tag team because especially because they have such a terrible tag team division like I'm fine like Daniel Bryan and KO like running a tag team division on a brand that that'll make me tune in for the first time you know maybe they're, third time this year they're both incredible uh, then you know that that's not gonna happen 
I don't think it's going to happen very long, but who cares how long it happens? They had Stone Cold and Triple H on the tag team. It's not going to happen. I'll just leave it at that. I'd love to see it. Not going to happen. This is banned from ringside. Hey, everybody. We have some birthdays this week. Paul Orndorff, 71. Edge is 47. Bobby the Brain Heenan, R.I.P. Would have been 76 this week. Really just one of the geniuses of pro wrestling of of all time. He he really was. Uh, Tyler Rex is 42. Hope you still got them dreads, man. Uh, Eli Drake. I'm not making fun of him. I like Tyler Rex. I always liked Tyler Rex. Corey, we haven't had that conversation, but go ahead. I liked his uh, feud against Chris Masters on uh, WWE Superstars for like five weeks in a row where he lost every single match. Eli Drake is 38. Charmel is 48. Darren Young, 37. The first openly gay WWE wrestler of all time. God bless. Hope you're doing good out there, man. Samir Singh is 33. Pat Patterson? No, Darren Young. I said uh, open. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Jesus, Zach. Well, you really had to throw a wrench into my shit, dude. I was on a roll. <laughs> I was doing my thing. I mean, Pat Patterson. But Pat Patterson was never openly open. a gay okay, wrestler. Okay, That's why I said in. I, fucking good for Pat Patterson. Like, have some balls. Get out there. Be open. Oh, uh, Samir time. Singh is 33. Cameron is 33, and Andrade seeing all Miss is 31. What? MIA. Wow. Hey, everybody. He's 31. We know there's tons <laughs> of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to ours for FB Eatery, for Bo Geesman, for Xander the Cat. Happy Cat Day. Check. For Lucha Chris, for Murray the Murray Man Murray, for the shots that Jason and I did, for Two Beers, Zach Pullman. Oh, check, 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 or check, 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 check. Ever Jason Cornelius Bell, I am Bill Vaggie, and everybody, boo the heels, Black Lives Matter. Boo.